Hello and welcome to our AC Tech Employment Podcast, looking at how to protect your business from unfair employee competition and some of the common challenges that we see tech companies facing with this. My name's Emma Ladley. I'm an Associate Director in Osborne Clark's Employment Practice, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Danielle Kingdon, who's a partner in our employment team and has considerable experience advising tech sector employers on how to prevent and deal with employees acting in competition. So welcome, Danielle, and thank you for joining us today. So, Danielle, employees setting up in competition, perhaps targeting and soliciting customers or former colleagues or stealing and misusing confidential information has always been a challenge for tech companies. And particularly as employees move between employers more frequently, perhaps than within some other sectors, and also because people are often hired for their industry experience and expertise. Now, on top of this, the COVID pandemic seems to have actually increased the risk of employee competition issues, hasn't it? Um, so could you tell us a bit about why you think we might be seeing that trend? Hi, Emma. Yes, of course. Um, whilst unfair competition is a perennial problem, the risk is definitely magnified at the moment. With many employees working remotely over the last year, the warning signs of employees getting ready to move or misusing confidential information are harder to spot. To give you an example, changes to working patterns, including starting and finishing at different times, unusual absences and making private calls are common white warning signs. But with many employees working different hours to accommodate childcare, homeschooling and other personal pressures created by the pandemic, these changes to usual behaviours are getting lost. Another factor I think that's relevant is that employees are feeling more distant from their teams and their company's culture. And this makes them more open to approaches by competitors and perhaps more likely to commit breaches of trust. Yeah, thanks, Danielle. I think that's right. And unfortunately, it is something that a number of our clients are experiencing. Um, so given this risk of unfair competition within the tech sector, could you start by just running through some of the steps that companies can take to protect their business and to try and reduce the risk of unfair competition practices from their employees? Yeah, of course. Well, whilst some employees carefully plan competitive moves and behaviour, others don't think about the consequences of their action and think they'll get away with it. Therefore, employers need to have contractual protection in place and to make sure employees are reminded of the terms. It's important that action is seen to be taken against employees who do act in unfair competition. If action isn't taken, others are likely to pick up on the lack of consequences. Of course, to be able to take any action, the employer needs to have appropriate and up-to-date restrictive covenants in the employment contract or other relevant documentation. The basic rule is that restrictive covenants should go no further than reasonably necessary to protect an employer's legitimate business interests. So when you're putting restrictions in place, think about the employee's seniority, their access to valuable confidential information, their relationship with clients, suppliers and other employees, and work out what the appropriate scope, duration and geographical reach of the restrictions should be. Garden leave is also a valuable tool in the armoury and employment contracts should reserve the express right for the employer to opt to put a departing employee on garden leave for all or part of their notice period. Garden leave is payable but enables the employer to keep the employee off the market during their notice period and can be a more dependable option than relying on post-termination restrictions particularly where there is concern over their enforceability. 
One other thing to mention is employers should also ensure that misuse of confidential information and acting competition with the employer's interests is a potential act of gross misconduct under any disciplinary policy and that any policy on email and electronic messaging platforms is up to date, permits monitoring and contains clear rules on the use of social media accounts, including cancelling them on termination and providing who will own the business contacts made during the employee's employment. That's great. Thanks, Danielle. And as we know, preventative measures are really helpful. That's a great deterrent. But unfortunately, problems do still arise. And so where an employer does become aware about some form of employee competition, they need to act quickly, don't they? Um, and could you just outline for us what employers should do if they're suspicious about an employee's activities? Sure. Well, employers often don't have the full picture. So one of the first questions to ask is whether you can get a more definitive picture. For example, should you speak to other employees or even customers or would this make things worse? The other immediate imperative is to try and stop any further loss of confidential information, contracts, etc. Ask yourself what systems the employee has access to. Should you be shutting off that access at this stage? Remember, as an employer, you must also act reasonably and not take any steps that could destroy trust and confidence. So think carefully about any monitoring you undertake and before cutting off any access to work systems. It's a good idea to take legal advice from the outside just to ensure that you get your strategy right. Where you are dealing with an employee on notice, an early assessment of any restricted covenant is going to be vital. Are they likely to be enforceable is the big question. If not, could you place an employee on garden leave? Whilst an employee is still employed, their actions could amount to gross misconduct. So you should also consider whether taking disciplinary action is appropriate. If you're dealing with a former employee, the first step is to assess the enforceability of any restricted covenants, including those in other commercial documents, such as an investment agreement. Legal proceedings can be avoided if the problem is discovered quickly through writing to the employee and sometimes their new employer and pointing out the restrictions. Undertakings are often the best option where the employee gives a legal promise to abide by some or all of their restrictions. Where an employee refuses to give undertakings, an un injunction may be the route you need to take. This could and should be obtained quickly, but it is a more expensive remedy and probably best deployed in more serious situations. Excellent, thank you. That's a really useful overview. And now we've talked quite a bit about preventing unfair competition within the business. But sometimes, and actually this is something we see coming up quite a lot in practice, we also see this the other way around. So we might have a client who wants to take on an employee who's moving across from a competitor um, and that person may have their own post-termination restrictions in their contract with the former employer. So what's the position where that's the case? Well, employers should check as a matter of good practice whether candidates are subject to restrictions. And for more senior recruits, this is very likely to be the case. Any restrictions should be reviewed to assess whether they will prevent the candidate joining the business at the time and in the role intended. This is going to require a careful assessment of the scope of the restrictions. For example, are you caught by any definition of a competing business? Do the restrictions apply to the role the employee will be performing? For example, the candidate may be changing career and therefore not taking up a competing role. And don't forget to assess any non-compete and non-poach provisions. Does the employee need to be kept away from certain clients, pitches, other activities for a period of time? And do you need to make sure that they aren't poaching former colleagues? 
particularly where they led a team in their previous role and those ex-colleagues are keen to join them. That's great. Thank you. There's certainly a lot to think about there, isn't it? Isn't there? So if you had to pick a couple of the most common mistakes made by employers who are looking to try and protect their business interests, what would you say they are, Danielle? Well, I think um, by far the uh, most common problem that comes up most regularly is um, restricted covenants that haven't been tailored to specific roles. Um, you often see there's one set of restrictions that are placed in all the company's employment contracts. And this rarely works as the protection you'll need when, for instance, your head of sales departs will be different to that required if your head of facilities leaves. Where restrictions aren't appropriate to the rule, this is a serious challenge to their enforceability. So you should always make sure they're tailored to the job and are modified to reflect any promotions and job changes. Um, another mistake that often gets made is where the employer breaches the contract, either through an inappropriate response or failure to follow its own policies. Um, this then potentially releases the employee from their restrictions as you can't enforce the terms of a contract if you as the employer have breached it. That's great. That's a really good point. Thank you. Um, and so just one final question then. There's been a recent consultation looking at the future use of restrictive covenants in the UK, hasn't there? So what sort of changes might we see here in the future? Well, um, as part of the drive to economic recovery and um, trying to sort of create the right conditions for new jobs and increased competition, etc., uh, at the end of 2020, the government published a consultation paper looking at the continuing role of non-compete clauses. Um, I understand the government's considering a few options, um, requiring employers to provide compensation for non-competes, requiring greater transparency as to the terms of the non-compete before the employee enters into the employment contract, and also introducing a maximum duration. A more significant option raised is a complete ban altogether on non-compete provisions. Of course, this would be a very dramatic departure from current practices. Until the position is clear, though, I think the best option for employers is to keep restrictions under regular review and check whether they need any updating following promotions or role changes within the business. That's great. A really, really useful reminder as well. So thank you for joining us today, Danielle, and sharing those insights. And many of our listeners will be thinking about how to maximise business protection under new hybrid working models as well. So I'm sure the points you've raised there will be really helpful as companies start to think about their future workforce models as we move out of the pandemic. So thank you to everyone for listening today. And please do feel free to get in touch with myself, Danielle, or another member of the OC employment team if you've got any queries on the issues we've discussed today. Thank you.